You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 214. Who cares? I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. Brandon, the Eagles won a football game. And excitement is all around us. How you doing, buddy? Jimmy, I am very fired up to be here with you. Eagles are 1-0, like you said. Not only are they 1-0... I mean, they had the second biggest win from week one in terms of, you know, point differential and everything. So mm-hmm. a big blowout win on the road. I think the Falcons stink, to be clear. But hey, big win. The positive vibes continue. Jimmy, before we get into today's jam-packed show, have some big news for people. And it doesn't have to do with Righteous Felon Craft Jerky at the top. I will get to them later. I want to say, number one, Jimmy, BGN Radio slash Bleeding Green Nation both entities are having a watch party for the Eagles Cowboys game Monday night football. It's at Pistola's Del Sur in South Philly. You're all invited. If you're listening to this to attend to me, I think place. Yeah, it is. And they have really good food. Um, they have like tacos and I've had their enchiladas. Their churros are really good. I they have like this I've thing been there and it is very good. They have, um, like the steamed bun carnitas that the staff had me try there last time. And I was like, man, this is really good. So a lot of good food, uh, drinks and everything. Uh, it is required that you prove your vaccination status, you know, proof of vaccination to attend. So, uh, keep that in mind. Obviously, if you want to wear a mask, you are invited to, uh, and we're still checking on outdoor seating. So that's, you know, up in the air, but, um, yeah. So attend if you want to, uh, come hang out with us and watch that game. Obviously we have a game to talk about this week before we get into that, but just want to give you a heads up. That's on Monday Night Football uh, in week three. So keep that on your calendar. Also, really quick, uh, I mention it a lot, Jimmy, but it's the SB Nation NFL show. It is the NFL season here. It's kicking back up. So there's no better time to start listening to it right now and getting not only your Eagles coverage, but your league-wide coverage, which we'll get to some of later in the show. So those are all my plugs at the top, Jimmy. Why don't we get into the meat of the episode? It's funny how that works, too, by the way. Like, uh, you're, my, I know like watching sports, my interests in other teams around the league is way higher when the team that I want to do well is doing well. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like this past year during like the NBA season, like I started learning about all the other teams around the league, whereas normally I just wouldn't care if the Sixers weren't any good. But mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, I, I started to kind of get an, a pretty good idea of like the Nets and, uh, the Bucks and, you know, whoever else was like in contention and especially in the uh, Eastern Conference. So yeah, check out the, that, uh, that NFL podcast. Uh, all right. So let's get the to the Nation NFL show to SB be clear. Nation NFL show. Sorry. Uh, I did not brand that correctly. All right. Uh, Eagles won a game. Uh, Jalen Hurts. I wouldn't say stellar in this game. There, I thought you were going to say stinks. So that was terrible. <laughs> 
you know, a few minor things to nitpick from his game on, on Sunday, but uh, overall really, really encouraging performance by him. Um, wasn't asked to do a lot, but he executed the game plan uh, that he was, he was tasked to run uh, outstandingly. And uh, I thought he had great command of the offense. Um, he just, lo- I think just his demeanor and his, like just, just the way he, like his presence on the field, I think he, he gives, uh, you know, his teammates something to believe in. And uh, obviously, you know, he, he, I forget exactly what, what was he, 73% uh, passing. Uh, most of those were shorter throws. Uh, in fact, I think like uh, I put this in my five matchups to watch against the Niners. Eventually, some some point, he's going to have to throw down the field. But uh, in that game against the Falcons, his average uh, throw was like, I think it was like 6.2 yards short of the sticks. And I think he averaged like 3.6 yards past the line of scrimmage, if I have that right. Um, so he wasn't asked to do a lot. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like he, he, it, part of the, the, uh, part of like his appeal is that he can make plays with his legs. And when, uh, opposing defenses have to, um, uh, respect that, then a lot of the things that they did offensively, uh, become more difficult to defend. And, uh, I, again, like I, I thought he had a, he had a great game and, um, you know, he's got to string a lot of those performances together, but in terms of him, sort of having to prove that he can be the Eagles answer at quarterback, uh, not just this year, but in 2022 and beyond, uh, he's off to a fantastic start. Yeah. There are things you can nitpick in terms of like the Zach Ertz throw that was actually incomplete. because <laughs> like it was yes. under throw and hit the ground. Um, I thought he broke the pocket early a little bit too much, a tiny bit too much, not all the time, but like there were a couple of plays. You yeah. Could like do, the third down or the fourth down the play fourth down, where he almost kind of yeah. ran out of bounds and threw it away. On, but, but yeah, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, continue. <laughs> now you can nitpick that kind of stuff, but overall, you know, like I thought it was just a really good performance. Um, obviously we know he has the mobility. He has the swagger, like those kind of things we already knew about, but just to kind of see, uh, the accuracy be improved. And like you said, it was the lowest average intended air yards in the entire NFL from week one. It's pretty from, big from margin between him and, uh, the second. I forget. I don't remember who the second who guy in was like six was or that, five. But, yeah. But. But yeah, it, so, it, it really did sort of highlight, you know, uh, you know how how infrequently they they threw the ball down the field, and that's fine for one game. I think yeah. you know the Eagles coaching staff did a good job, Nick Sirianni, of playing to Jalen Hurts' strengths, and you'll take that. And it worked against the Falcons, so you're not going to complain. Now, again, like you said, I think we all know that you can't just do that for all 17 weeks. You're going to have to, you know, air it out a little bit. And and honestly, I'm not really concerned about like Jalen Hurts hitting the deep ball. I think we've seen that too. That's something he can do. I think more of the challenge is going to be that intermediate passing the game mm-hmm. or passing game working the middle of the field. Like we're going to see, you need to see some of that. And I think that's where the accuracy is going to be a little bit uh, tested or tested a little bit more. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, really good start. Jimmy, one of the most impressive. Sorry, go ahead. The the most impressive thing to me from that game, if I can like point to one thing and be like, wow, this was really, really good. Was that two minute drill before the end of the first half? Like that to me is like a franchise quarterback kind of drive. Like, yes, because I know, I mean, it's not at the end of the game. So it's not like, you know, like, games on the line do or die crunch time but it was like a bit it was a really big moment in the game because you have that drive and that was that kind of like sealed the game in the sense that like you go down not only do you uh score the touchdown but then you get the two-point conversion too so credit to nick siri for uh siriani for that we'll get to him later um but you go up by two possessions there because you make it a nine-point game and he just was very composed he used his legs at the right time to get you know easy first downs or get out of bounds to stop the clock he made uh great throws i mean the touchdown throw to dallas goddard was 
It was awesome. Um, you know, Fran Duffy had a did great. Did you see the? Yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah. Did you see the uh, breakdown by Fran? I mean, <laughs> you know, because the all twenty two view of that, like Dallas Goddard isn't open. He's not like just crossing the field like you thought he might be just from the broadcast view. And Hurts hit him like he was covered, and <laughs> and by Deion Jones, Deion Jones wasn't looking. But uh, yeah, they were on the, the same page. So yeah, really good stuff from Jalen Hurts. Uh, you have to, you got to give it to him. That was a really good performance week one. The throw to Devontae Smith was also a beauty. Uh, on that first touchdown on the first drive. Yeah. And it was, it was, I thought it was a, a, a great thing for them to get off to like a positive start like that. I mean, we've seen so many Eagles teams over the last couple of years just do nothing on their <laughs> opening drive and they scored. They scored a touchdown on the opening drive. And, and, uh, it was a great route by, it was a great, first of all, play call by Nick Sirianni. And I love the quote by Devontae after the game where <laughs> he, he was asked, like, when did you, um, know that you had a touchdown on that play. And he goes, when I saw his man coverage. And I think like the reaction to that quote was like, oh man, this guy is like, like this, the, the, the uh, like it was almost kind of like, um, it sounded like a very swaggy type of uh, yeah. answer, but I didn't see it that way. It was just a matter of fact answer. Like <laughs> yeah. he, it was just like, it was, he knew it was a touchdown. He was just giving an honest answer because it was a little rub route. Uh, Zach Ertz actually did a great job uh, on that. Uh, was it was it Ertz on that? Yes, it was. Yeah, he, uh, he did it like lined up outside. Masterful and, job of like running the route and like getting right up to the player, but then like not touching him at all. Yes, <laughs> right, right. He kind of just ran around like he did like a little stop route, and then it's like a like, slip screen in basketball. Yes, and Hurts uh, uh, or excuse me, uh, Devontae Smith beat him to the outside, and uh, I mean, th- what what that quote meant to me was that. When he said it was man coverage, he knew like he had his man beat. But what it said to me, like he knew he had the touchdown because he had confidence that uh, Jalen Hurts was going to put the pass on him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like that quote a lot. And uh, like you mentioned, uh, that that end of half drive um, to, you know, ending with the uh, the diving uh, Dallas Goddard maybe caught it. Maybe he didn't. Caught it. <laughs> like I'm not totally sure that that was actually a catch, uh, but it counted. They didn't have a good enough uh, angle on the uh, replay to, to overturn it. But also like. That that play came after they had just gotten in the end zone. They Kenny Gainwell like scores a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you could see this on the TV feed, but in the stadium, he like did like sort of a Lambo leap. Yeah, into, I saw that. Like a, a group of uh, Eagles fans uh, in the back of the end zone, and then they had to do it again. So <laughs> like, uh, I think that kind of uh, points to Jalen Hurts' poise. Like it's okay, no worries. Mm-hmm. Let's just get it in anyway. And then they did. I think what was a, there were like two seconds left in the, at, at the end of the first half. And then, as you mentioned, there's there's they got the two point conversion. There was a penalty uh, on the on the PAT, and a lot of coaches wouldn't take that point off the board and go for two. That was something that Doug Peterson did whenever he had the opportunity. Uh, and the Alex say you should do. Uh, you know, first, you know, a, a, a two point conversion from the one yard line should be yeah. a no brainer uh, attempt, and they did it. And uh, they got the two, and as you mentioned, a uh, nine-point lead going in going into half uh, felt a hell of a lot better than um, you know, for example, like if they had only gotten a field goal on that drive. So, uh, yeah, big big uh, congratulations to uh, Jalen Hurts and, and the performance that 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 he had on Sunday. And then Nick Sirianni as well, really based off of what you're saying there. And I, I said it to RJ uh, Jimmy on the NFC's mixtape that I like. I almost hate to give Nick Sirianni credit for that two point conversion because like this should just be an obvious thing that like NFL yeah. head coaches do because it's just like it's one yard and you get an extra point. I mean, and especially if you have a good offensive line, just like sneak it or just exactly. you know it's, it's a yard. Freaking pick up the yard, get the extra point. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, that was really good to see. But not only that, but the other fourth down decisions too. I really like that. Now, obviously, the Eagles didn't convert. On they didn't them, get them, but <laughs> but but, but, but uh, it's it was it was encouraging to see that that's what the his mo is going to be throughout the season. And I thought, like you, would, you know, you I, expect I thought anyway. Yes, and I thought there were there were execution errors there. It wasn't like like I know some people question putting Gainwell in there instead of Sanders on the second mm-hmm. one. And but I mean, the handoff got botched anyway, I thought. So like that kind of was just like unlucky. You didn't have a clean handoff that kind of like, you know, screwed up the play. And then Jalen Hurts, as you talked about earlier, he just bailed the pocket too early on the first one where like, you know, he, it looked like, I think some people thought Brandon Brooks like gave up that pressure originally. But if you look at it, like he just, he ran out of the pocket and yeah, like Brandon yeah. Brooks couldn't block him because the defender, I think it was Grady Jarrett just was like able to make a run that hurts because he was right there. So, uh, you know, that stuff, you know, I'm not like, worried about i think going for it was the right decision i mean clearly it didn't even cost the eagles and also i guess all some people after the game who were like you know i i wish you know you'd settle for the points sometimes and i'm like well how did that work out for the falcons because that's what they did early on in the game mm-hmm. and they only scored six points so uh yeah so really really good from sirianni in terms of like aggressiveness in terms of the play calling i think you know obviously having some uh, level of creativity um obviously it worked everything was good um there was a lot of emphasis on getting the ball to the playmakers and then letting them get yards after the catch. The Eagles led the league in yards after the catch in week one, I believe. Did they? Something. I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah, I saw that full. That makes sense, there. but I didn't see that. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously all teams want to do that, but it seems like this was specifically designed to do that. And, hey, when we talk about getting back to Jalen Hurts real quick, when we talk about him like throwing short, I mean, that's not something like to totally be taken for granted. Not literally every quarterback can do that. I mean, Carson Wentz couldn't hit the layups, as you yeah. uh, said last year, Jimmy. Uh, like Jalen Hurts can do that. So to his credit, he did. And really encouraging uh, from the offense all around. Yeah, I mean, Nick Sirianni mixed uh, RPOs, uh, screens, the run game. Uh, he had occasional shot plays drawn up. Um, Shane Steichen said during his press conference that um, they just weren't there. The shot plays like they were being taken away. There's one actually where Quez Watkins was like running wide open down the field on what was probably a, um, a botched coverage. Uh, Hertz was looking at it initially, but when it opened up, he had already sort of changed his, he had already shifted his focus somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that uh, they did have those plays called. It's just uh, they weren't there and the Eagles took what they gave them. Uh, but there's varied personnel packages. Like they came out with, um, you know, JJ Ortega Whiteside in the starting lineup and uh, they ran the quick screen to, to Quetz Watkins and because they had three on two on that side of the field. And it was just, you know, stealing, uh, you know, an easy 10, 15 yards. Uh, so the first play of the game, you know, yeah, I think I think he got ten yards on that on that quick screen, and then tack on another fifteen uh, for the late hit out of bounds, and then very next play they get the same luck, so they just run it again. <laughs> it's like football doesn't have to be you know that that um, that complicated sometimes, and and I think uh, what Nick Sirianni did was make it very uncomplicated, uh, especially um, you know for a week one game uh, where everyone you know is sort of trying to get their sea legs, but also just the game plan that that was. Um, very, very friendly, very, very quarterback friendly. And the one thing that really impressed me about Nick Sirianni was, you know, when he first got hired, he sort of hammered home the point that, you know, he worked with three different quarterbacks in Indianapolis in Andrew Love, Jacoby Brissett, Philip Rivers. And, um, you know, he touted his ability to game plan specifically for what they do well and what they don't do well. And um, uh, he, he walked the walk on that week one with, with Jalen Hurts in devising a game plan that would work for him. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of credit again to Sirianni. Um, 
looking at what the Eagles are able to do in the run game, Jimmy, we're kind of moving beyond the passing game a little bit here. Yep. Um, really good signs, obviously, from Miles Sanders, who I thought showed a lot of juice. There were times in the game, I can't lie, where I was a little frustrated. Uh, he, <laughs> Left some he, meat on the bone. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, there was that play. It was right before the touchdown, I believe, uh, to Devontae Smith, where it was like, Devon, uh, it looked like Miles Sanders had like an easy first down or at least like a third and one. Yeah. And, and he turned. Reason, he, he turned to his left. Yeah. Bounced it. That. And that's a third and four instead. And like, obviously it worked out, but that was like a little frustrating. Um, I think he did that a couple other times. Or, but I mean, you know, you're kind of going to live and die with that sometimes. He's going to bounce some runs and it's going to work out. Um, overall, you know, he had a hundred and, uh, 113 yards of total offense. He didn't have any drops and he also picked up the two point conversion. So, you know, he four catches. Him. Uh, two or four. Yeah. Four receptions for 39. Okay. So that's pretty good. Um, also that keep, uh, blitz pickup. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, he allowed Jalen Hurts to find Devontae Smith for a big first down on a third and nine. So, uh, really good game for him. And then Kenny Gainwell. How about Kenny Gainwell? Kenny G, who, uh, I was really, you know, we're saying that throughout training camp, I thought he had kind of a slower start and I kind of yep. thought like maybe his role, or I think you kind of said too, maybe we would see his role grow throughout the season. We thought yep. Boston Scott was going to be the number two running back because I mean, he was taking most of the number two reps for most of the summer. And all of a sudden, Boston Scott doesn't even play week one on offense. And, <laughs> yeah, not not a single snap. Uh, in and, and also, like, the fact that Kenny G is, like, just all <laughs> automatically, like, the, the main two-minute back. Like, it wasn't even a rotation to Miles Sanders at all. Like, it was just, Kenny G, like, you're the guy in two minutes. I thought that's really big. And I, I think it should stay that way for now um, until, you no know. No fear by that guy, by the way. Like, we've seen Who? Eagles rookies in the past. Oh, Kenny yeah. Gainwell. We've seen Eagles rookies in the past, like, shrivel when, uh, you know, their time came. Like, John Hightower had an amazing camp hmm. as a rookie last year and then his first play like bad drop um and like yep. it just didn't look like the same player in that game that he did all throughout camp but uh yeah, Kenny G credit to him for um I mean like he he ran hard and yep. uh you know he made the plays he was supposed to play you know what other play was sort of underrated too by the way was um Dallas Goddard uh the catch that he had that got him down to like the two or three yard line uh, just before the end of the half, he, he, you know, he makes the catch and he's able to get him bounced. Kenny Gainwell actually helped him mm. n- uh, move forward right, as he was going him. out of bounds, because if he hadn't, they would have, uh, they would have just ran the clock. The Eagles would have had to have burned a timeout. And then at that point they had no timeouts left. So because you no have to fir- go out of bounds forward for people who don't yes, know that. Yes. Yeah. So go like if, you're, if you're going backwards and you go out of bounds, the, the, the referees will just run the clock. Um, so, uh, they didn't have to burn a timeout and by not having to burn that timeout, uh, everything's on the table in terms of a play call. Mm-hmm. So the Falcons still have to respect that it could be a run because if the run fails, you just call your timeout. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that timeout. It just goes to the end of the half and there's no points at all. So that was, I thought like Kenny Gainwell did a good job, like sort of pushing Dallas Goddard. Actually, I think he pushed the defender into, into Goddard and, uh, Goddard went forward out of bounds. So they, they got the clock stoppage there. But anyway, back to the point on Gainwell, like, he like he didn't look like a rookie to me in that game. Like uh, I, I thought that uh, you know he came out and there was no fear from him and and he was just ready to play. Yeah, the numbers weren't eye popping. It's like four point one yards per carry. Um, and he had a touchdown. Yeah, and he had the touchdown. So not bad by any means, but you know nothing nothing crazy. But I, when you add the context, it's his first mm-hmm. it's his first real game in multiple years because he obviously opted out in twenty twenty didn't play. Yep. Uh you know, he played in the preseason, but as far as like a real NFL game, uh did you know pretty good start for him. Uh why don't we wrap up Jimmy with the uh offense entirely with the wide receivers and the O line. Um Devontae Smith, 
obviously really good and clearly wide receiver one and I, I think target one on this team uh led the team in targets receptions yards just so smooth it's everything we've said before like the guy can get open he knows how to run routes and like i was watch re-watching all of his targets and it's just like it's like too easy it's just too subtle like, he's not even always necessarily doing something super fancy yeah they can do that but like he just knows like very subtly like how to get at work leverages and just how to get open and he's constantly open he's going to be a target monster i think in this offense um this was a good step for him uh, it's not even i think close to what like his ceiling will be uh in terms of what he can do and making big plays explosive plays so uh that's encouraging uh, some people melted down to me when I put Jalen Rigger in my I don't know section of my winners, losers. I don't know. I didn't put him as a winner because like I didn't think he had the most visible game until the end when he had that screenplay, which I thought was kind of more of a function of the offense than him doing something amazing. Like I'm not trying to take credit away from him. I think his speed helped on that play. Obviously, he outran the Falcons defender, but like the lane was huge. He had so much room to run because like the blocks were perfect. Like he didn't like even make someone miss necessarily, but obviously I'm just a hater. So make of that what you will. <laughs> I'll disagree with you on that okay, one. Okay, so, fine. Like, after he caught that screen pass, he did like that the, the safety should have had an angle on him and he just ate that angle up and beat him to the end zone. Uh, so I give uh, Rager credit for mm. uh, what he did on that touchdown pass. By the way, um, on that Rager screen, um, the Eagles were seven for seven on their screen attempts for 85 yards and a touchdown. I was actually looking for stats on, uh, you know, the Eagles screens or just screens in general in the NFL uh, from a year ago. It doesn't really exist. So like no, there are no official stats uh, on screen passes or like there it doesn't seem to any to be anyone that tracks it like pro football focus or anything like that. But I did find an article from uh, Jeff McLean of the Inquirer from last year, which he wrote after the Browns game last year, which was 10 games into the season. And at that point in the season, off the top of my head, I believe they had uh, 24 screen attempts. They only completed 15 of them somehow. Uh, for it, it was for like 50 something yards or something like that, or or 60 something yards or something like that. Uh, and for an average of like three point something yards per attempt on those screens, which and we all saw like that. So those are just the numbers. He like went through and watched every pass on the season, found all the screens, and and came up with those stats. Um, but like. You know, we don't, we don't really need those stats to know that like the screen game was horrendous a year ago. And, uh, the way that it worked so well, uh, in this week one game is, is another really encouraging thing, not just in terms of like the play calling and whatever, but, um, just that, uh, you know, Nick Sirianni was finding ways to, you know, deceive the defense and make those screen plays work. And some of that is like the continuity along the offensive line. Uh, some of it is that the run game was run, was working well. Some of it is that, um, it's, it's easier to run. It's yeah, that, that too. Um, and some of it is that it's easier to run screens when you have a, a quarterback that's capable of running too, because you have to pay attention to them. So uh, a lot of factors there and, and they hit big with that, uh, screen to, to Jalen Rager. And of course, um, uh, everyone saw the block <laughs> that Jordan Mailata had on that screen where he just nearly murdered a guy <laughs> like, uh, on and just, I mean, just wiped him out. And what I love about Jordan Mailata is that he's, you know, like a six eight, three hundred and forty five pound guy, and like some guys are huge, but they don't know it, and they don't use their their size and their just extreme uh, ability to pummel somebody. 
But uh, there's that's not happening with Jordan Mailata. Like if he gets a chance to to bury somebody and uh, shove their face into the turf, <laughs> he will absolutely do it. Uh, and I think he's sort of like an underrated killer in that regard because he, he, he like when you when you have him in in interview sessions, he's like a big teddy bear up there, and he's funny. Yeah. He's got the Australian accent, and he's making jokes and blah 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 blah. But on the field, he is not that guy. Like he is looking to pound people when he gets a chance. Yeah, that was a really good block from him, and obviously he got a contract extension before the game. Yes, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, his new average value of about sixteen million dollars a year, sixteen up to twenty, depending on incentives, and that puts him like seventh in the NFL in terms of uh, annual value value by uh, left tackles. Ties mm-hmm. in with uh, Taylor Luan, who's obviously you know established left tackle um, for contact. So, I mean, I think it's a no brainer of a deal, right? Like because he's a young player, he's ascending. Um, you feel really good about him. You would rather pay him now than wait when after the season he would be a free agent. And then all of a sudden, uh, if he doesn't sign with you and he doesn't want to sign, he wants to test the market. Then you're competing with a bunch of other teams for like a rare opportunity where there's like a potential franchise left tackle available on the open market, which doesn't really like happen all the time, but there's definitely going to be, you know, bidders for his services. You know, I'm sure like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I don't know the Giants would move on from him, but you know there's teams out there that would have holes at left tackles. So definitely, oh for sure, like him. one of the one of the top free agents in the NFL last year or this past off season was Trent Williams, and he got interest from other teams around the leagues that the 49ers were able to keep him, but they had to they had to shell out like crazy money for him. He got 23 million a year on a six year deal. Uh, so for the Eagles to get this done early, they get a big discount uh, at 16 million a year. And for a player who's 25 years old, whereas yeah. Trent Williams, Trent Williams is a better player probably right now. Sure, but um, he's 33 years old. So like the value that you're going to get in a Jordan Mailata being 25 and and an ascending player as opposed to Trent Williams, whose game is likely to fall off uh, in you know in in the very near future. Uh, I thought it was a good job by Howie Roseman and the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, look at Nate Soldier getting overpaid yeah, at left yeah, tackle. Right, right. Giant, yep. Like crazy money. Uh, anything else on the offense, Jimmy, before we wrap here? Yeah, I, I meant to mention, uh, sort of piggyback on your uh, Devontae Smith love. Um, and just like you said, where he, he doesn't – sometimes when he's making plays, it doesn't even look like he's doing anything spectacular. And a lot of that in this game I thought was because – I mean, well, we saw we saw him beat the man coverage uh, on his touchdown pass. But a lot of his receptions were just him finding the, the hole in the zone. And I thought he did did a great job of that. And you know what? He's going to have to do that all year because teams are going to play zone like crazy against this Eagles team because they have to like you run the risk of just having Jalen Hurts run all over you uh, on pass plays if you have your back turned while you're playing man defense. So um, he's going to have to find holes in the zone and and capitalize on that. And uh, week one was a very encouraging uh, sign that he will have no problem doing that. Like that's sort of like something that like. You see, like, uh, like a lot of possession receivers, like bigger guys with like the, they, you talk about like the wide catch radius and stuff like that, uh, making it easier on the quarterback to, to, you know, fit balls, uh, in between, you know, the zone defense or whatever. Uh, I don't think it matters. Like, Devontae Smith obviously isn't the biggest guy, but he's going to find, he's going to be in the right spots uh, just because he knows what he's doing. And he's going to, like you said, like he's going to be a volume receiver for this team. I'd be shocked if he stays healthy and he does not lead the team. By a wide margin, by the way, in both receptions and yards. Someone needs to clip that for the fantasy football <laughs> people out there and then get that up on like Roto World or uh, NBC Sports Edge, I believe it is. Right. But Jimmy, uh, we're wrapping up the offense, which is an encouraging debut for the Eagles, something to feel good about. We'll get to the defense next. But before we do, before we throw it to break, Jimmy, what am I holding right now? 
What am I holding up? This Ooh, is a, a lot audio of podcast. Packets. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, in our visual medium, I am holding up uh, righteous <laughs> felon craft jerky here. Actually, uh, well, I can try to take a screenshot while I'm doing that, but it's going to be tough because I only have uh, here. I'll do it, Jimmy. You just stay right there. I'm going to hold it up. Try to make. I it can. Look I good. can take the screenshot. I, I can like... do it because yeah. Here we go. Um, it's going to look like really weird, but here we go. Um, there we go. Okay, got it. So boom. Uh, I will tweet that out later or something. Do something with that maybe. Uh, just to prove that I have it, but righteous felon craft jerky. Uh, yeah, they sent me a little care package recently, a little, little, uh, you know, test samplings of what they have. And so I've never had actually the built tong from them, Jimmy, as you see there, the built tong. That's like different than the craft jerky. It's more. I've like, never heard of that one. Yeah. It's like more tender. Um, it's really flavorful. Like I think it's especially flavorful. This flavor that I had right here that I had first is called Darth Garlic. Death Garlic. Darth Garlic. Oh, Darth Garlic. Like Darth, you know, <laughs> yeah, got it. Like Darth, 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 Darth Garlic. Garlic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really, really good. I finished that Death really quickly. Garlic is not a, is not as is not as good a brand. No. Um, Darth <laughs> Garlic, really good. Also Ancho uh, Villa, and then Nelson Mandela in there. So some uh, fun flavors. Really good stuff. So you should check it out. You should go to Righteous Felon dot com for righteous felon craft jerky you can use discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order look it's the perfect snack when you're watching the philadelphia eagles uh also i take it that the eagles have been eating their righteous felon craft jerky jimmy because they won by a big margin they were loading up on that stuff i'm guessing and and they have it at the novacare uh complex so uh it's there they're loading up on it you should be too if you want to be a winner like the eagles and you can get some again by going to right to selling.com using discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off also same discount code works at wildnaturepet.com if you want 15 percent off dog treats so that's it jimmy back after this vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in you can book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, why don't we flip it over to the defense, which is also very good in week one. A couple... Yep. Quick stats to throw at you, which I think are pretty good. Didn't allow a touchdown. That's always nice. That's good. Uh, and check. As, yes, check. As Shil Kapadia mentioned, didn't allow a play of over 20 yards, the only team in the NFL to do that in week one. And oh, yeah, I guess they didn't. Yeah, and the context here, it's Jonathan Gannon's first game as a defensive coordinator. Like this first ever game in the NFL as a DC, like pretty good start. 
I didn't realize that they uh, hadn't given up a 20 plus yard play. I'm trying to think if there were any that were even really close. I know they had a, a long run, I think, on like a long third down play. But yeah, I mean, that offense was very unimpressive. They do have good players, obviously. Like Calvin Ridley was a 1,300 plus yard receiver a year ago. Uh, Kyle Pitts, obviously, uh, the fourth overall pick in the draft. He didn't do much uh, in that game. And um, you know, the Eagles had some some struggles early. Like I thought their tackling was really shaky. Uh, early in the game, but they cleaned it up and, you know, that didn't last throughout the entirety of the game, really just mainly in the first quarter. Um, Falcons drove it right down on them, the first Eric two Wilson. possessions. And uh, yeah, Eric Wilson and Jannard Avery, both I thought uh, yeah. had had shaky performances. Uh, low bar to clear to going from Nate Gary in 2020 to whoever the linebacker was going to be in 2021. I think we were both optimistic about the linebacker position uh, heading into week one, but um yeah, I, I thought I, I'm with you. Like, I think Eric Wilson did did uh, uh, struggle a little bit, but tackling got cleaned up as the game went along. And there are parts uh, of the defense that were just flat out dominant. Like J- Javon Hargrave just killed like the interior of of the Falcons' def- uh, offensive line, and that was sort of predictable. Like, you know, that was one of the matchups that we pointed out in the in the last podcast where uh, the left guard uh, Jalen Mayfield was filling in for. Freaking Josh Andrews, who was somehow going to be their starter this year, uh, but he he broke a hand uh, during the week of practice leading up to the game, so uh, he went on IR. Jalen Mayfield, a rookie third round pick of theirs, just got just got wrecked in that game. And then the center, um, whose name is oh Matt Hennessy from uh, from Temple, uh, also didn't have a, a very good game either. So uh, the Eagles just owned the interior of that line. They barely blitzed at all. And they were able to, you know, uh. really, they were really able to, to, to pressure and, um, and frustrate, uh, Matt Ryan right up the middle just all day long. And it looked at, at points during the second half, like I would equate their offense to remember in the 2017 season, like there are certain teams that they just had no chance <laughs> of moving the ball. Like I would say the Niners would be one example of that. Um, with I think it was C.J. Beathard played in that game. And then the other example would be the Chicago Bears game yeah, with uh, Mitch Trubisky. I think that might have even been his first NFL start or one of the one of his first starts. And like at times during the second half of those games, they were just like you, you just knew that there was no way they're going to be able to move the ball at all. And you figured like the Eagles have these games wrapped up. And I felt a little bit that way uh, about the Falcons in the second half of that game, uh, even even though they do have guys like Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts. Uh, it was just a very dominant uh, performance by the Eagles. They mixed personnel packages. They mixed different looks. I, unfortunately, we don't have the All-22 yet, so we haven't really gotten a chance to sort of dig in on exactly what they were doing defensively. Uh, but an impressive debut, like like Nick Sirianni on the offensive side of the ball. Very impressive debut by uh, Jonathan Gannon on the other side. Yeah, I mean, we have to say that like the Falcons stink, yeah, and that's. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Eagles when I say that. Like, <laughs> right. I think what they did is impressive. They went down to a yeah, road they stadium, their ass. and yeah. They, yeah, they blew them out. Like, you do that against anyone, like that's legit, especially for a team coming in with question marks and concerns, like the Eagles were. So, not to take away from them, but to contextualize it, I mean, you have to acknowledge. I just, I think the Falcons are going to be competing. Like, for they're the probably number. the worst team in the NFC. Yeah, I think they're going to be competing for the number one overall pick. I don't know if they'll get it, but I think they're going to be like in the conversation for that, or at least like you know. So they picked fourth last year. I think they're going to be around there. Yeah, they were four and twelve last year. They're a really bad team. It's crazy to me that they're that they were favored in this game. Crazy to me by more than by more than the standard amount. You know, by three and a half. (laughs) Like that is insane. Um, Yeah, I I really didn't get that either. Um, 
but enough about the Falcons. Uh, the, yeah, Eagles defense was really good. Um, Hargrave was obviously awesome in training camp. We were saying, saying yep. like he's going to have a career year. Like he's going to surpass that six and a half sack total. He already is two. So I feel, I feel really good about him, uh, getting the over on that. You know, yeah, there was, there was some missed tackling. Um, Eric Wilson had four. He had 17 last year. Like that's just an issue with him. He had four like, missed just, tackles. Yeah, in that okay. in the first game, and and some of them you just saw on tape were just like really bad. Um, Jannard Avery can't be playing this much. Like, what are we doing? Like, why? <laughs> like, what did what did he do to get this much playing time? Like, he didn't look good in camp. He was hurt. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, I he, he fell down on like the second play of the game. Like, with no one around him, he just fell down. Um, I, I just too much Jannard Avery for my liking. It was interesting to me to me how the Eagles rotated a lot, not only with their defensive line kind of throwing back to Jim Schwartz there a little bit. Yep. It's kind of funny. He said no blitzing. Yeah. Jim Schwartz wrote uh, defensive, heavy defensive line rotation. Even I think potentially even heavier maybe with Schwartz. Like, like I don't think guys really got over 60. So too much. Fletcher Cox had 41 60%. snaps and he led the team with, uh, and he played 57%. Now some of that is 57% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, to me, like, I think a lot of that was just, they were, dominating them and like the game was kind of out of hand uh on the falcons last possessions i didn't look back to see how much he played on those last two uh possessions by the falcons i imagine he barely played at all but there were there were like there were eight players so uh cox uh hargrave barnett sweat bg uh kerrigan ridgeway and milton williams who all got at least 26 snaps so everyone played a lot. I think that's a good thing. Like if if you can the 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 less that you can play Fletcher Cox early in the season, uh, the better because he's going to be fresh at the end of the year, and he needs that at this stage of of his career. In my opinion, um, I thought he played too much uh, on, under Jim Schwartz, where and they had to at some points yeah. because they had like a lot a of tackle injuries. injuries. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think that's that's anything to. To be concerned about it all, I think it's actually a very good thing that he only played 41 snaps. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, didn't really see the secondary get tested like a whole lot. I think Slay and Nelson both played well. They did a good job. Yeah. Um, Kayvon Wallace came in, and obviously it wasn't a disaster because Marcus Epps got hurt early in the game. Rodney McLeod still not playing. So uh, yeah, just really good overall by the defense. Um, again, that offensive line being the Falcons offensive line, the interior being bad, certainly helped them. Yep. Uh, and obviously they have things to clean up when it comes to the tackling and everything. But, uh, uh, I think, I think it's a little interesting in terms of like the approach, you know, Jim Schwartz obviously was all about stopping the run. That's all, like you talked about a lot and then being plus one in the box all the time, as Kisten Solak would talk about, uh, and, and despise. Uh, to their dismay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, obviously you're going to see that a little bit different when you have a cover two kind of look here. And it's almost like you're inviting the run a little bit. It's like, you know, obviously that you don't want them to break these big runs on you, but it's almost right. like you're, you're okay with them. Like, like grinding it out and taking these runs early in the game as, as long as right. you're limiting the big plays, like you'll, you'll, you'll settle for that. And you feel like eventually it's almost like you're allowing the run to ultimately stop the run because you're, you're going to invite them to do it. They're going to do it. But if you can limit the big plays and limit the scoring and then you get a lead, well, all of a sudden then they have to pass. Like you're forcing them to pass because then they right. can't run because they're behind. So that's like the ideal game script. Um, Jimmy, uh, anything else on the defense before we get to these special teams? Uh, no, let's move on. The special teams to me. Aaron Sipos, my guy, 
who you doubted because you were like, oh, the Eagles should bring in some punting competition. I was like, uh, uh, hold on. I only don't. wanted the punting competition, so I had an extra thing to watch in training camp. To be clear. I, I didn't need it, Jimmy, because I told you. I knew the whole time. Aaron Sabas, he was going to be the man. And sure enough, in week one, he, he was. He did pretty good. Uh, I really liked uh, the new guy, Andre Sachere. Uh, yes. Um, he had a heady uh, play. He, he was yeah, well. He was just like so beyond. I think they pointed it out in the telecast, though. They right? did, yeah, yeah. Like so, the ball was yeah uh, down the field, and he like uh, a lesser aware player would have touched it, but he couldn't because he was went and ran out of bounds. But he pointed to it and had you know a teammate grab it instead. But like beyond that, just him, he was down on the. He was like the first guy down the field a lot of the time. So I like mm-hmm. to see that looks like a good early pickup. Um, JJ Arthur Whiteside almost blocked a punt at one point. Um, he's banged up now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so some good things to them. Jake Elliott made his only field goal and he didn't miss any extra points. So, uh, I'll get around there. Uh, return game, not so great. Uh, I would, this is like the, the most minor of like quibbles <laughs> than like something people are not going to care about it at all. But like, I really wish Jason Huntley was on the roster because I, I just, I genuinely believe he's their best kick returner. Like Quez Watkins didn't really look that inspiring to me as a kick returner. And then Rager, I didn't love as a punt returner. Just, like he just doesn't have like that suddenness to him when it, or like that slipperiness. Uh, he's going to pop one at some point. I mean, if he gets a he's lane, he's going to he get can, a lane and it, he, if he gets a lane, he can hit it. Um, I think he should be back there to be clear, but I'm just saying like it's frustrating when like he's not the guy that's going to be able <laughs> he's to not like sprawls. No, yeah, he can't like slip out of a tackle or two or go side to side. It's like it's only like the vert. If he has the lane, he can hit the lane and he can take off. But he's not going to be able to like kind of worm his way around and kind of slip through. But that's okay. There's a lot of. A lot of ways to, I hate this phrase, but a lot of ways to skin a cat. Okay. Yeah. Why would you ever want to skin a cat? I wouldn't want to skin a cat. Who Who is skinning cats out there? Please don't right. do that. And, and why, gonna, are gonna, there so, why are there so many different ways to skin a cat? Yeah. Whatever. I'm going to say this, Jimmy. Uh, here at BGN Radio, our official stance is don't skin don't cats. Don't skin the cats. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it. Just don't do it. That should be our like ending thing. Like uh, Bob Barker would be like. Get your pets spayed or neutered. We can but say. not don't, skin. Don't, but don't skin your cat. Yeah, what are you doing? Um, or any pets for that matter. Cats uh, getting jerks out there. <laughs> uh, any other thing? Do you want to just get to the 49ers now? Do you want to take another break? How do you want to do this? Why don't we take it? Because we're at what? Like the 40-something 40 40 mark. mark? So, uh, yeah, we'll take a quick break. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give the Eagles Niners its own segment. All right. But before we do, or as we do. Don't you have to tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach has a big day today. She's wow. She's going a house. She's got a closing, and then she's listing a house today. So a uh, very busy day for her. She's going to be gone all day. Uh, but yes, if you are looking to buy or sell your house, Kristen Roach is unanimously considered as the best realtor in the entire universe, and you should work with her. Her number is 856-906-9295. Brandon. And RoachRealtors.com. Oh, if you want to check her out online. Yes. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. Jimmy, we are back here on 
BGN Radio, and we're going to get into the Eagles Week 2 game against the San Francisco football 49ers, uh, who are 1-0 after beating the Detroit Lions. But, Jimmy, if there was ever such a thing as a moral loss, um, I, could, I think right. you could argue the 49ers kind of suffered one. Because, look, they dominated the Lions when you look at it. You know, ultimately, they're up 41-17 to uh, late in the game. But Lions made a little bit of a comeback. And now some of that, you know, was, I think, fortuitous for the Lions in terms of getting an onside kick that bounced off of, like, George Kittle's face mask and everything. But, like, I think some of it, you know, was the 49ers letting their foot off the gas, which is not Mm -hmm. the first time that's happened with the Kyle Shanahan coach team. I think people will remember. Um, And also... I think there were some real concerns from that in terms of Jason Verrett, who was easily the uh, 49ers' best defensive back, not just cornerback, but defensive mm-hmm. back as a whole, went down. And all of a sudden, the Lions had a lot more success in the passing game. So you, know, you can argue uh, it was garbage time. They're playing some of their backup players a little bit more, um, whatever. But like, I'm not going to say it means everything, but it's like, I don't, it seemed to leave a bad taste in their mouths. I think, uh, I think you had noted that you had seen like players kind of seemed a little bit down after the way that the, that game was finished. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, my good friend Stats, who I, I co-host the oddcast with on the SB Nation NFL show each week. He's a 49ers fan and he had said going into the game, like 49ers need to crush this team. And if they don't, I'm going to be concerned. So. He kind of was a little concerned that it came down to a spot at the end of the game where the Lions had a chance to tie it. They like they could have sent that game to overtime very feasibly. They're at like the twenty something yard line. Um, like they had a chance to to tie that thing at the end. So uh, so interesting uh, spot for the 49ers to be coming into Philly here, coming off of that performance where it was like a feel bad win as opposed to the Eagles had a feel good win. Yeah, where Brandon says moral loss, he means like the Cowboys had a moral win. Yeah, uh, moral we'll victory. get to that a little bit later. Uh, and we'll get to that in a later. But what Brandon means by that is you feel like you won, but you don't feel great about it. Whereas mm-hmm. the Cowboys lost and they felt great about it. Which is. <laughs> or people s- felt great about it for them. Silly. But, uh, anyway, me, but anyway. um, <laughs> so what <laughs> do you make trouble, of this? They, so they have concerns that this 49ers team, like they are, they're really banged up last year and the Eagles were able to beat them partly because they, they were missing so many of their best players, uh, including their quarterback. This year, their quarterbacks are fine. Like they have Jimmy Garoppolo and they have Trey Lance, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute too. But I think more importantly, um, we should note the the injuries that they have in the secondary. As you mentioned, Jason Verrett gone for the season, torn ACL. Uh, but then their other starting quarterback, Emmanuel Mosley, uh, didn't play week one, didn't practice. Uh, we're recording this, by the way, on uh, Thursday morning. Uh, so... Um, as of Wednesday, he was not practicing. So uh, he's not back yet. If they, if both of those guys are out, then their starting quarterbacks are going to be, it's a fifth round rookie cornerback. I don't know how to say his name. I know how to say his last name. It's Lenoir. But do, you, do you have any idea how to say that guy's first uh, name? Like I, I don't have it right in front of me, but I, I think <laughs> it's like uh, D'Amador Lenoir or something like that. Like it I kind of liked him actually. He, he went to Oregon. And he played well in week one. A, Okay, so uh, he's going to be one of their starters uh, either way. But um, and then their other the other cornerbacks up for consideration are another rookie, uh, third round pick uh, who's escaping me right now. I probably should have had that up here. Uh, but, and then they signed Dre Kirk, Kirkpatrick, uh, who was a longtime corner for the bank for the uh, Bengals. They signed him on Tuesday. They States. could also uh, have um, oh uh, Josh Norman. Josh Norman, who's cooked, and then the other guy who who Emmanuel Travis Mosley? Fogel beat. No, the guy who Travis Fogel beat. Dante Johnson. Dante Johnson. 
Uh, Fulgham beat him for that long 42-yard, I think, touchdown in week four last year. <clears throat> My voice just cracked like Peter Brady. Um, but yeah, so they, they like they're tr- that's a big trouble spot for them uh, mm-hmm. heading into this game. And um, with the encouraging performances by the Eagles receivers uh, from um, uh, Devontae to Jalen Rager to Chris Watkins, I think that's a major, major concern area uh, for them. And then they also have other injuries like on their defensive line. Uh, Javon Kinlaw may or may not go. Sounds um, like he's Eric, not going to play. Eric Armstead is um, is uh, banged he's up. He's expected I, to be in, but yeah. Yeah, but he's not going to be 100%. Yep. And then uh, D Ford, who uh, sort of a speed rusher, sort of more like a um, an obvious he's, passing down kind of guy, uh, he may not be 100% either. Yep. And then the other big injury is um, at running back. They lost uh, Raheem Mostert, of course, of the former Philadelphia Eagle, Raheem yeah. Mostert. And um, who's their who's their backup that's on Pup? I actually uh, like him quite a bit. It's, a, it's like Jeff something or something, well, Jeff Wilson or something. Uh, yeah, Jeff Jeffrey Wilson, yeah. Good player. Yeah. Uh, so he's their backup. He's on Pup. Uh, with those guys out, again, <laughs> again, it's just a bunch of like, rookies and, and UDFAs that um that would that would fill in. Uh so one of them would be Trey Sermon is a possibility. He was actually inactive week one. Like a lot of people drafted him on their fantasy teams and uh he was uh inactive week one. And then the other guys would be who am I missing here? Uh this is a bad job by me. Uh it's a fifth round or sixth round Elijah Mitchell from uh yeah. Louisiana. Louisiana. Um and then Jamichael Hasty, who was a, a, an undrafted free agent uh, of the Niners last year, like those are those are the three running backs. And for a team that so heavily relies on that, you know, being physical and winning the line of scrimmage, and you know, being able to to do damage on the ground, it's not great that uh, Raheem Mostert and um, and uh, Jeffrey Wilson are both out for this game, and they're relying on rookies uh, in in you know in this matchup. Yeah, uh, like Kinlaw being out is big. Um, I mean, their defensive line still has talent, obviously, because Armstead is going to play. Ford will be available, but they're banged up, like you said. Um, and Nick Bosa is a monster, uh, and that's right. a big concern. And that is kind of a mitigating factor when it comes to this 49er secondary being bad is that, you know, the offensive line is going to be tested a little bit more or a lot more, I would say, than they were in when week we, one. When, sorry to cut you off. When we said, like, you know, the, the the Falcons stink, one of the things that we didn't mention is their pass rush is, like, totally non-existent. Just Outside they of have, Grady they, Jarrett, yeah. No, J- Grady Jarrett's a good player beyond him. Like, they have nothing. So, mm-hmm. like, the the going from the Falcons to the 49ers in this game is going to be, like, a the, the test that they're going to face in this game is far, far, far greater uh, for the offensive line that, than it was week one. But, uh, like, looking at the Niners Nation reaction, our good friend uh, Kyle Posey, who was on the SB Nation NFL show, Jimmy, um, uh, he talked about in his, uh, like, he was going through the injury report for the 49ers and saying, you know, no Mosley or Kinlaw, not a good sign. Um, and he said Kinlaw being out really showed up in the Lions running game. Like, Detroit was able to have success moving the ball on the ground. He thought more than they would be if Kinlaw mm-hmm. uh, was playing. Um their backup, Zach Kerr, was like getting driven out of his gap time after time, and the linebackers didn't have the luxury to run untouched. So he noted that. And then he, uh, Kyle used the word, quote, gulp to describe the uh, 49ers secondary situation um, with both Verrett 
and even Mosley being out, who isn't even good in his own right, but if mm-hmm. he can't play and he didn't practice on Wednesday, so it's not looking good for him. Uh, Avery yeah. Thomas, sorry, that's the other corner that yes. can potentially yes. start. A yeah, rookie so, third-round pick. And like Josh Norman's cooked. I mean, I've seen that enough to, to say that from him. Greg Ward yeah. beat him for a game-winning touchdown. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. and also uh, Drake Kirkpatrick. I watched him a decent amount like on the Cardinals last year because when the Cardinals were in prime time, I'd just be noticing him like get beat time after time. Who, who is this? Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick. Oh, yeah. Kirkpatrick, was, who they just. Was, by the way, was Norman the guy that got totally posterized by Derrick Henry last year? Or Derrick Henry remember. just basically just picked him up and threw him? Possibly. He was, he was on the Bills last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Norman. yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if that was it. But, um, but yeah, like those guys are, I think, just donezo. Who so was Drake, if, Drake Kirkpatrick with last year? The Cardinals. He was just okay. getting like beat time. I just remember seeing so many plays where like a wide receiver make a good play against the Cardinals and it's like, Oh, who did, <laughs> who was, who did they beat? Oh, it's Drake Kirkpatrick again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So not really good. Um, for the San Francisco 49ers, they're banged up there. Uh, I think the interesting thing, obviously the big challenge will be their offense because. I mean, mm-hmm. Mostert's out, but <laughs> Mitchell did have a b- big week one, and it almost kind of doesn't matter. I think who's that running back in that offense? Like Kyle Shanahan, like you know, he finds way to get production out of lesser backs all the time uh, with with the Forty ers run there. And then also this Trey Lance element. I know he, he only got four snaps, as you wrote down here, Jimmy, on our on our show notes. But like the fact that he's in there is going to be a challenge. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw a touchdown pass. <laughs> Like, and just the running game. And then obviously seeing that after the Eagles had some concerning run defense early on against the Falcons, uh, really going to be interested to watch that. Obviously just some other good offensive weapons too, in terms of Debo Samuel, who Darius Slay compared to an Anquan Bolden and Samuel had a good week okay. one. And I think he's a nice player. And then George Kittle is obviously a monster. Um, really, yeah, really good yeah. tight end. So there's a lot of uh, weapons here for the 49ers for the Eagles to be concerned about. One thing that I have been thinking about, Jimmy. Jonathan Gannon should uh, maybe look back at some tape from the former Eagles defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, who is six and one against Kyle Shanahan in their last seven matchups, allowing just sixteen point one points per game. And the one loss, by the way, only came by one point. Um, so yeah, so I don't know if uh, Jimbo or our old friend Jimbo has like the formula to stop Kyle Shanahan, but maybe. Uh, JG should kind of look back at some of those games to kind of see what what Schwartz did well uh, against this. It was offense. good against the when, Falcons too, Schwartz. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> when the, so when the Falcons had that really, yeah. when they went to the Super Bowl that year. Like yeah. Schwartz kept them to their lowest like point total and yardage total. Like he like he Schwartz did the best job against any team or of any team against uh, Shanahan that year. So kind of funny um, that that is the case. Uh, what stands out to you, I guess, about the 49ers offense? Oh, it's what you mentioned. You have Kittle, you have Debo Samuel, and then I'll throw uh, Brandon Ayuk in there. Like all three of those guys are just beasts with the ball in their hands after they make the catch. Like it's hard to bring those. They once they get once all three of them get their get their hands on the ball, they run like running backs. So, uh, I mean, we saw it last year where, with uh, the play by Ayuk, where he, I mean, he had a great. I, I don't remember if it was a screen or whatever it was, but he ran all the way down the field and he hurdled. I think it was Epsi yep. uh, near the goal line. And got in for the touchdown. Uh, Debo Samuel had a nuns. Uh, I mean, we've all seen like Debo Samuel highlights. We know what he is as a player. Uh, I think Anquan Bolden is a is is a fine comparison by Darius Slay. And then George Kittle. I think uh, Darren Waller is coming for for his uh, best tight end in the NFL title. But uh, obviously, you know, a, 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 like an elite tight end in the NFL right now. And um, 
I mean, he, he like had a lot of success against the Eagles in their matchup last year. So yeah, those, that, that's the biggest concern for me in this game. And uh, you couple that with the Eagles tackling struggles, uh, week one, they can't have those in this game. Um, those guys are going to get like, they're going to get theirs. They're going to get their catches, but you have to make sure that they go to the ground quickly after they make catches, uh, or it could be a long day for, for the defense. Yeah, it's to be a bigger challenge, obviously, than it was for the Eagles in week one. Um, I really quick, Jimmy, you want to mention that since we touched on the 49ers injuries that the Eagles obviously have uh, an injury report of their own, we should touch on where, uh, the Eagles basically rested a bunch of veteran players to different extent. Some didn't practice at all, mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday. And we'll see how this goes throughout the week. Like Zach Ertz, Brandon Brooks didn't practice. Mark Sepps didn't practice. He's still in the concussion protocol, but he was out on the field doing some stuff on the side field uh so he might be able to play and he might start again jjr think of whiteside i'm guessing he's not going to play the eagles best bl- the best blocking wide receiver in the nfl i think i saw after week <laughs> one he, by, by pff he, he did legitimately have some like very sure. good actually so did Devonte. yep and uh who was it was it sirianni who called out Devon- like Devon- sirianni wasn't even asked he was asked about jj's blocking he mm-hmm. wasn't even asked about Devonte, and he like brought up Devonte's blocking unprompted but that shouldn't be a surprise if you watch him at alabama mm-hmm. like he does that i mean you, you don't think he could can maybe because he's smaller but like he can he's a dog, dog. mentality brandon he, dog mentality uh limited uh i think of note uh, beyond the guys the Eagles are resting, Rodney McLeod still limited and mm-hmm. seems like he might not play again. So it could be Epps starting or, or we'll see if Wallace. And then Landon Dickerson practice in full for the first time since being a member of the Eagles. So uh, maybe he'll be a top backup this week. We'll see how they handle that. Um, Interesting development there. He's back a little sooner than I would have thought. Yeah, maybe the Eagles use him as a sixth offensive lineman sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. we'll see. Because maybe they just want to get him out on the field. Totally. 69 is reported as, a, as a uh, eligible. Very nice. Yeah, a nice formation for the Eagles to use. Um, to me, anything else on this 49ers matchup? Uh, no, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, but yeah, so, well, I guess we'll get to our picks uh, in that mm-hmm. segment, which let's just get to that right now. Well, we'll take another break. Should we take another break? Okay. We'll take another break, and then we'll get into our NFL picks against the spread, which we're adding some this week because a good idea by you. So that's a little tease, although teasing things on the podcast is funny because you can just fast forward ahead. And you're going to find out anyway. It's not like a radio show. But uh, Jimmy, why don't we just go to break right here. Back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio where we are definitely back from a break where we, you know, we, when we went up, we got like got a cup of water, had a nice had a bite donut, to eat. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy, what kind of donut did you have? What's your favorite kind of donut? Um, pretty boring. Just a nice glazed donut. My daughter, um, likes the, uh, strawberry frosted with rainbow sprinkles. Oh uh, yeah. I, I had that at the, uh, yeah. Oh, right. That's right. Week. We just had this discussion at the Eagles media house. The Dunkin' Donuts dropped off, uh, like, I don't know, like, four dozen donuts roughly mm-hmm. and uh brandon grabbed the donut that i recognize it. it's the donut that my, my daughter always gets 
I got it because I thought it's you were going to take Simpson it. It's the Homer Simpson donut, right? Yeah, the Homer Simpson donut. And I wanted to spite you. I didn't even like that flavor. I just wanted to <laughs> make sure. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that I didn't bring it home for my for my nine-year-old child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great person I am. Uh, no, I, I got it because it was the Homer Simpson donut. And I was like, huh, I haven't had one of these in a while. Because my favorite, Jimmy, is a Boston cream. But when I say Boston cream, I want to be clear here that I'm not talking about like the actual white cream. I like the custard. So really... It should okay. be called Boston Custard, and some people call it that. But I feel like that's not what people – everyone does. A lot of people call it Boston Cream. Uh, but, yeah, I like the – you know, the – everyone knows what that is. You know, the, the donut the with the yeah, chocolate. With the chocolate on, on the top. top, yeah. And then the the yellow custard, and that's my favorite easily by far. Um, anyway, no one cares. Uh, Jimmy, why don't we get to our picks? <laughs> All right, let's do uh, Washington Giants because they play on Thursday night, of course. And then uh, before we get into it, sorry, uh, let me okay. set the record. I, I I have to go back and look at our – I didn't tally it up before the show. Bad job by me. But I believe we made like the same picks in terms of both against the spread. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, so lost we lost on the Cowboys against the spread, the but we got the, we got the uh, result of the game correct. So and then we – but then we – so I think we're three and one because we picked – we both picked uh, the Eagles. We both picked – the Chargers, we both picked the Broncos. So we're, we're three and one in our NFC's picks against the spread. And okay. we are both one and oh in our Eagles straight up picks. Um, so there you go. All right. Uh, Washington is, I believe, three point favorites over the Giants tonight or yes. Thursday night. Thursday night football. The first, the first Thursday night football game. The real first real Thursday yes. night football game. The first short week of preparation game for the NFL. Uh, who you got? I have the Washington football team, which is like going a little bit against history because they've struggled against the Giants. They went 0-2 mm-hmm. against them last year inexplicably. Five in like, a row. Yeah, and it's like, I know it's Taylor Heineke, Heineke um, but like what do you point to with the Giants that you can feel good about? Like with Washington, I can at least say, like, I think their defensive line is going to take advantage of a bad Giants offensive line. And Saquon is banged up and his longest run of week one to me was five yards. Like he's not right. Daniel Jones has, I believe now 30 fumbles in 28 games. Like he's always going to fumble, fumble the in ball. week one more. Yep. Yes, okay. he did. So like that's always going to be an issue. Their offensive line, the Giants offensive line looks really bad. Um, I like Ron Rivera as a coach more than I do Joe Judd. So I have to go with the football team. So, yeah, they, they've lost five straight to the Giants. And actually, the Giants, uh, as we've noted several times on the podcast here, they have the worst record in the NFL since 2017. They only have 18 wins since 2017, which ties them with the New York Jets. Six of those 18 wins have come against the Washington football team. So like a third of their wins over the last four years have come against this team. And I think it's just a weird analogy, like uh, anomaly. I mean, the, the Washington's been bad too, so that that's part of it. But um, I don't think that the Giants have any particular like strong matchup against this team. And as you mentioned, like Washington's defensive line against that trash Giants def- like offensive line is like the matchup of that game. And uh, th- for I don't know why this it's only Washington minus three because that's an indication that like they're even because it's in Washington. I think Washington is a far, far better team than this Giants team. I mean, even week one, like Washington lost, but like there were parts during that game where it looked like they were going to beat the Chargers, who are, you know, a lot of people think are are very good. So like their defense at a minimum, they have something going for them there. Whereas I think that the Giants just overall are hot burning trash. 
Yeah, and Antonio Gibson, I thought, looked decent in week one. I think he can have a big game uh, against that Giants defense, which I don't think is great. Like That was that was the thing the Giants kind of had going for them last year. Is like the defense looked solid, but, uh, I mean, they got carved up by Teddy Bridgewater. So mm-hmm. uh, I think Taylor Heineke can have some success. Yeah, I don't think the drop-off from like Fitzpatrick to Heineke is really all that great. Yeah, I mean, it might be an upgrade. Maybe. I don't know. Um could be. I don't. I'm not saying that's a definite. I'm just saying I, I don't. I know I they're know. like he's like a he's like a folk hero down there to yeah. their fans. Like he played well in the in the playoff game against the Bucks, um, and uh, I I think I didn't watch their game, but I think they're happy with the way that he played when he came in for Fitzpatrick Week One. Okay. Um. So we're both taking the football team to get to one and one, and the Giants dropped to zero and two. Giants and really would be leading the NFL at least for a couple of days solely in losses if this happened since the 2017 season. So congrats to them. Did you see that? uh, Did you see the Kadarius Tony thing, by the way? No. With, with the, okay. So uh, I don't have the tweet in front of me. It's too late to go find it now, but basically um, just to, just to take a step back to like after the Eagles traded up ahead of the giants in the draft to get Devontae Smith Cowboys or excuse me, the giants traded back and by 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 hell or high water, they were taking a receiver. So I guess like the best receiver available when they were picking at twenty or whatever it was, nineteen, twenty, whatever it was, they took Kadarius Tony uh, from Florida, which I think a lot of people, myself included, thought was a reach. So apparently, in week one, they had like Kadarius Tony played fewer than five snaps. Like they got like a couple uh, like manufactured touches for him, and then. That was it. It was done for the day. So like that goes to show you uh, that they just have like no creativity uh, on that team offensively under Jason Garrett. Shocker. Um, I think some of those Tony touches were in garbage time too. If I'm not okay. mistaken, like towards the end of the game. So not even you know like high leverage situations. Like it's just like the game was over. Let's just get them yeah, some touches. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, everything's going well for the Giants. Uh, Jimmy, let's go next to the. Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Football Cowboys are 3.5 underdogs on the road against the Los Angeles Chargers. Jimmy, I will go first. I love the Chargers this year. I love Justin Herbert. I like okay. um, Brandon Staley. I think Tom Telesco is an underrated GM. Uh, doesn't get enough okay. love. Has, made, has had a really good offseason. Jimmy, the Chargers' offensive line... Uh, was like the best offensive line and pass protection in week one. Rayshon, uh, what's his name? Rayshon Slater. Uh, I saw people praising the crap out of him and they showed highlights of him just dominating, which uh, impressive for a rookie week one. And going up against Washington's defensive line, mm-hmm. like yeah, a really legit right. defensive line. Yeah, Chase Young. Um, he, was, he was up against yeah. Chase Young for the majority of the day. So I think the Chargers offensive line is really legit, and I think that's a big problem against a Cowboys team that is going to be without Demarcus Lawrence, who just got injured and has looking at like a six to eight week recovery with a mm-hmm. broken foot that he suffered in practice. And then they're also going to be missing Randy Gregory for this game because he tested positive. Is for that COVID. definite? Yeah, because he tested positive for COVID. Like, so I, I don't think he can return in time. Like, I think if, on- as long as he passes two tests with twenty four hours in between each. Negative I don't think test. he's playing. Well, I don't think he is either, but I don't think like the, the door is slammed shut on that. Like he has okay. to have two negative tests before game day. And again, they have to like there has to be a 24 hour period in between each negative test. So it's very, very, very unlikely that he's going to play. But there's like a similar thing with like Zach Martin that like they had a jet right. on standby in case he was uh-huh. able to pass two tests. Uh, so uh, it's. 
but whatever. Randy, it's not Randy Gregory is nothing special anyway. Mm-hmm. Like he's like we're talking about a guy that was drafted in 2015 and has 10.5 career sacks. Obviously, he's missed like 60 or something games like that over the course of his career due to suspensions. Uh, but I mean that that without Demarcus Lawrence, they may very well have the worst uh, defensive line in the NFL. He's their best defender overall, like yes. just on the team. Like, it's, it's a devastating injury for sure. Uh, so I think the Chargers are going to have their way with this Cowboys defense. I think the Cowboys are being way overrated after week one. Everyone's like, oh, the Cowboys hung in there with the Bucks. What a moral win for them. Like blocking the boys. That's all they're talking about. Like, oh, such a, such an encouraging <laughs> loss. Like, what are you guys talking about? Like everyone's like, oh, Dak looks back. He looks a hundred percent. No, he does not. BS. He like to me, Jimmy. Maybe I'm just making this up in my mind. I talked about this with RJ and he didn't agree with it. I was like, RJ, he couldn't zip it. He could not zip it. He couldn't zip it consistently. Like his best throws were like these floaters, which is fine. There's a time and place for that. But like, I felt like that's all he could really do. And I feel like defenses are going to catch up on that and they're going to like, they're going to play off and they're going to make him zip it in there a little bit more. And also as a runner, like you he couldn't noted, run. He, could, yeah, he didn't, he, he couldn't, he couldn't run. He had, I think like the second or like the fourth, six, I forget the number. It was like one of the worst graded performances by pff just in terms of like running quarterbacks this week mm-hmm. so that kind of matched up like you know some a little bit of data whatever matching up with the eye test there uh yeah i didn't think i mean obviously like played a great stats, game week one <laughs> like we should we should acknowledge like he really played great week one sure he kept but them he in that game he didn't but, look but, like but but right. but right the long-term concerns are there because he couldn't run and his arm didn't look like it was 100 percent by any stretch and also, like, I don't think that was game, that game was as close as it seemed in terms of like the Bucks turning the ball. They had some really just like gift turnovers to the Cowboys. Like Cowboys didn't force them as much as they just like some really bad turnovers Ooh, by yeah, the Bucks. Yeah, weird deflection off of Leonard Fournette's hands, yep. for example. Yeah, and then the fumble. Um, I thought Godwin was a little being a little bit reckless when he fumbled that near the end zone, and uh, they were so they were plus three too in turnover differential, and they still lost. And also the Bucks led most of the way, like. Like, as opposed to like, uh, cause RJ is trying to call me out for being a hypocrite because I like praise the Browns for them <laughs> playing well against the Chiefs. But first of all, um, uh, like the Browns led that game most of the time. Like <laughs> they fair. were in control of the game. The Cowboys <laughs> were not in control of the game against okay. the Bucks. Yeah. Like right. they were trailing most of the time. They got, you know, the lead late. So <laughs> I think it's a different kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not like super impressed by the, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like, oh wow, I'm shaking in my boots because of the Cowboys. No, I think, and honestly, like I said to you, Jimmy, before the, we recorded today, whereas, whereas I keep saying the Eagles have good vibes and like things feel positive around there, Cowboys, not the same case. I mean, Dak missed most of training camp, doesn't look 100% to me. Um, Zeke looks cooked. Mike McCarthy had some really bad decisions. Fourth down, too conservative in week one. That's going to continue to be an issue. Uh, you have Leal Collins getting hit with a five-game suspension. You have Michael Gallup missing. Right, three we, to five right. Weeks. we haven't even gotten to that yet. Yeah, <laughs> like the like starting right tackle is is, is going to be out for for a quarter or a third of the season. They have bad vibes, so I'm taking the Chargers in this game. Yeah, I mean Leal Collins, he he it was he violated the NFL's policy on substance abuse. Didn't actually fail a test. Uh, just skipped, reportedly skipped seven tests. <laughs> so like he uh he got suspended by the NFL for five games and his replacement is going to be a guy by the name Terrence Steele, who actually started 14 games as a rookie last year. And I remember him getting killed against the Eagles. So I was looking for something uh about that and it was worse than I remembered. Apparently, like he, according to PFF, uh, gave up seven pressures 
and three sacks against the Eagles. So uh, he's going to start at right tackle for them. Uh, there's maybe some potential for Zach Martin to kick out from right guard to right tackle. That's not going to happen. Jerry Jones said that Terrence Steele starting at right tackle. So that's a uh, a, a big uh, concern for them, especially against this Chargers uh, pass rush, which is awesome. like we talk about like the Eagles being strong in the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. So are the Chargers and uh, another yeah, Bosa. That, that that's a yeah another Bosa over there. So uh, yeah, it's it's I, I'm with you. So uh, I was thinking about picking the Cowboys outright in this game, mm. um, but after the suspension and uh, Randy Gregory's got COVID and. Uh, uh, Lawrence, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, devastating injury there. Uh, I can't do it. And like, the, the, I mean, Justin Herbert's just going to have all day to throw uh, behind his offensive line, and this just atrocious Cowboys defensive line. Cowboys starting zero and two with the potential to go zero and three against the Eagles would be quite a thing. Uh, Jimmy, let's get to so. We, those are our NFC's picks against the, the that aren't the Eagles, but you had I a good will idea. Go, uh, Chargers minus what was what was that spread minus three three and a half. Yeah, okay. So I'll take I'll take what I don't even care what the spread is. Just give me the Chargers minus whatever. <laughs> so you had the uh, wise idea of adding the Eagles first round picks in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw you're doing a Carson Wentz snaps tracker. I'm also doing the same thing. You're doing that phillyvoice.com. I'm doing mm-hmm. that bleedinggreenish.com. Although I'm also 76 doing 76 week one, I think he had 76, uh, 76 snaps. total snaps, 100%, obviously. So and, that's good. Uh, that's a high number, too. But I'm also including the Dolphins in there. So we'll start with the Dolphins um, because obviously the Eagles have their first round pick 100%, no matter what happens. And they won in week one, but. I don't think it was really like that impressive of a win in the sense that like I think the Patriots kind of like choked that like they they had two key fumbles that really hurt them in the end, um, and they only lost by one point. The Patriots did so. I don't. I, and then Tua also didn't look great. Um, so like I'm not like buying the Dolphins. The Dolphins defense is good, and I think Brian Flores is a head coach, so that's going to prevent the, like the bottom totally falling out. I think for that team, they have yeah. they have a somewhat of a floor going for them. But I think Tua ultimately kind of just limits their ceiling. The Dolphins are actually three and a half point dogs versus the Bills. Who you got? Yeah, at home. Uh, So uh, I forget what I was going to say. Okay, so the Eagles really, really need the Bills to win this game because – Dolphins, as you mentioned, they beat the Pats. So they already have, they're one and zero, and they have uh, a divisional win in the bank. And um, all three of the AFC East teams, aside from them, lost. Uh, so the Jets lost, and the Bills surprisingly lost. Who did they lose to week one? The, the Bills, do you remember? Dillers. All right. So um, they're at they're by their lonesome at the top of the AFC East at one and zero. They beat the Bills now. They're two and zero, and the biggest threat to them in the division, the Bills, are now zero and two, and they have two games uh in the division in the bank and a head-to-head against the bills so this is a huge game like, like for early uh you know draft pick uh implications for whether they make the whether the dolphins make the uh the, the whether they win the division or not so mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think the bills are just a very clearly much better team uh was not encouraged with uh their opening week one loss um, as you mentioned, the Dolphins, not necessarily impressive week one, but they were able to get the win against New England. I like the Bills in this game. Um, I don't know about the spread, uh, but yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I would take the Bills uh, to cover the three. 
I just have not been a believer in Tua at all. So yes. again, I, I like uh, Brian Flores. I think the Dolphins defense again has some things going for them. I like those things, but I just do not like Tua at the end of the day. And I think the Bills are going to bounce back. I don't think like they're going to start out 0-2. I think they're better than that. Uh, they lost against the Steelers. I think they maybe were sleeping on them a little bit too much like everyone else was and thinking like it was going to be a walkover win because Big Ben is cooked and everything. Mm-hmm. You really shouldn't have that attitude against the Steelers team that has never had a losing right. season since 2003. <laughs> right, right. Um, so uh, I think they're smelling themselves a little bit too much week one. I think they'll get that corrected. Uh, they will win the game. I'll take them to cover. Jimmy, let's go to old friend Carson Wentz, who you can't blame him. Literally not his fault at all that the Colts <laughs> lost. 0% is only the offensive line is the only reason that they lost that game in week one to the Seahawks. Uh, the Colts are three and a half point favorites against the Rams at home. Yeah. So he's the same player. I watched, uh, <laughs> I watched their offensive stat or offensive plays, um, on game pass. He's the same exact player that he was in Philly last year. Uh, the stats, his stats week one were fine. And there were times his stats were fine in, in Eagles games last year. But he's the he's the exact same player that he was in Indy uh, that he was last year. So like I posted a couple of clips on on Twitter of just some of the things that he was doing. It's all the same crap where like he's got time to throw and he just holds the ball for an eternity and then he tries to escape the pocket. He's ducking under a guy. He's running around to the other side of the field. He's making these like off balance throws that are nowhere even close to being completed. Um, we saw a lot of those get picked off. Uh, a season ago, and we saw a lot of those, you know, end up like those types of plays end up in fumbles uh, that that went the other way. He was lucky in my very lucky, in my opinion, to have only turned the ball over once week one. And it was on a uh, botched snap on a fourth and one QB sneak. He had another play in that game where uh, he ran like he was pressured and he ran. And he fumbled on his own, like nobody even touched him really. Dill but I forward, guess th- right? I guess they determined that no, it was they didn't call it a fumble. I guess they determined that uh, he was down. Uh, he, he gave himself up, and they considered him down, and the ball scored it out. The Colts recovered it anyway, but um, it was just a, another just pure example of carelessness with the football. And even when he was like scrambling around and like avoiding guys and like trying to trying to play hero ball when there was really nothing there. He's just holding the ball out like for anyone to swipe at it. Again, super lucky that he only turned it over once week one. Uh, but whatever. They they the Colts got beat pretty soundly uh by the by the Seahawks either way. And uh again, I can't see why this line is only Rams by three and a half over this Colts team. This Colts team isn't good. So like I will agree with like the Col- so Colts beat reporters, you were alluding to this, like basically put all the blame on the Colts offensive line and said, this was, this game isn't on Carson Wentz. Now it was on Carson Wentz too. I agree that the offensive line wasn't good and their receivers, like their receivers aren't like, aren't much better than what Carson Wentz was working with in Philly. So like this offense, I just don't think is good at all. I don't think Carson Wentz is good. I think their offensive line should be good, but wasn't week one and the receivers are not good. So I just don't think this team is good at all. And I think that the Rams are just going to, pretty much have their way with them on Sunday. I will take the Rams gladly and lay that 3.5 all day. They're just not good. Uh, the Colts are just bad. They're not a good team. What can I tell you? Um, yeah, I agree with you, I think. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i not saying my argument, I don't think anyone is arguing that like the Colts offensive line actually was good or anything. 
Um, I think the Colts writers are fair to point out that it wasn't great, but like just objectively, when you look at the data, Jimmy, uh, again, data being a little bit subjective here though, uh, PFF had the Colts offensive line graded as like the 17th in pass protection. I looked mm-hmm. at football, football outsiders metrics. You look at adjusted sack rate, they're 25th. So not great, but not like literally the worst I think they in were the horrible. league. Yeah. Like, I think they were horrible, like debilitating. Like you, like he had zero chance to do anything at all. Like they were just like instantly in his face all the time. Like, like when, like, cause that's the, to me, that's the picture that's being painted by some of these Colts writers, which by the way, like, I don't know why Colts writers have to stand for Carson Wentz. Like, are you, <laughs> right. are you guys working for the team? Like, I'm, <laughs> right. look, I'm not like, Obviously, I want the Eagles to do well. I'm not like saying like, oh, you always have to be objective, but it's just like, I don't know. You don't like, oh, Carson Wentz anything though. Like he was bad, call him out. And I think he was. Um, and also even the idea, let's just say they're right. Let's, let's like give it to him and say like, oh, he's not the problem. How many times did we say that about Carson Wentz in Philly? Like it's, that's ultimately a problem. If you have to keep saying, actually, the quarterback isn't a problem. He was fine. Like that's not good enough. Quarterback can't just be merely not the problem. Like he has to be the reason you win. He has to be good. He has to carry you to victory. And Carson Wentz isn't doing that in his current state. And I, yeah, I just don't feel good about the Colts outlook. The Rams, meanwhile, obviously impressive debut for Matthew Stafford with Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still have Aaron Donald and the defense isn't what it is necessarily last year, but they have Jalen Ramsey too. There's still nice pieces on that defense. I don't think they killed uh, the Bears. Yeah. I don't think Carson Wentz is like going to. All of a sudden, outgun that defense, um, and and then if you are talking about an offensive line that has issues, I mean, do you think it's really going to hold up against Aaron Donald? I don't think so. So uh, I like the Rams to win this and cover as well. Colts starting out zero and two, and then you look at their schedule moving forward, Jimmy. It's like it's not it's not super easy. I don't know when the Colts are like necessarily just breaking off a winning streak or getting their first win here because after they start out 0-2, um, maybe they beat the Titans because I think the Titans might not be very good. You know what's uh, weird? Like so like it's actually shaping up for the potential best case scenario where like everyone in that division is just bad mm-hmm. and so are the Colts and they all right. lose a lot of games. And Carson Wentz doesn't get benched because they still have a chance to win like the worst. That actually, that might be the worst division in football. Uh, yeah. Instead of the NFC East. Yes. So like uh, that that that. So like the best case scenario for an Eagles fan or the Eagles themselves is that you know the the Colts that you know Carson Wentz plays the seventy five percent of the snaps um, and they don't make the playoffs, but they also have a bad record. So there's a chance that make they, you know, they could win six, seven games, uh, uh-huh. not make the playoffs. And the Eagles wind up with like, you know, a pick around like 10 to 15 or something like that, which would be great for them. Yeah. Obviously you still hope like the Titans or Titans have to figure it out. Titans yeah. were like the most disappointing team in the NFL week one. Yeah. They just got, they got wrecked, but who, who beat Cardinals. them? Oh, the uh, Cardinals. Yeah. Who do they have this week? Titans? Uh, I forget. I don't know off the top of my head. But um, looking at the um, Seahawks, I think they have the Seahawks. Yep, on Sunday. So that's a loss. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna be Owen too. Not great. Um, I think it's in Seattle too. From that mistake. Yes. Uh, yeah. So looking at the Colts' schedule here moving forward, though, I mean, maybe they can beat the Titans. The Titans might be bad. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but then they have the Dolphins, so that'll be interesting. I guess if you know to kind of gauge who you're rooting for in terms of the Eagles' pick there. Um, and then they have the Ravens, the Texans, who looks better than expected in week one, the 49ers, and they get the Titans again, uh, and then they get the Jets and the Jags back to back. So there's a little stretch there where they might be able to pick up some wins. But yeah, I agree with your point that it's good that they theoretically might be in it. So they're going to have to play Carson Wentz late into the season. Although obviously, again, ultimately you want like the, not the Colts to, uh, win that division because then all that, all of a sudden that pick gets a little bit better. Um, 
So, but even if they even if they win the division, that's still not horrible because it's not the end of the world. But. They'll be they'll be picking like twentieth because their record isn't going to be good. Yeah, and, and assuming they get bounced uh, in the first round of the playoffs, it's still a decent pick. It's I'm all for maximizing it though, Jimmy. I'm, I want to get it as, as best as possible with the reason <laughs> that I think you know. Let's get it. Let's get it on like 13, 12, something like that. I think it could be nice. Uh, along with the Eagles pick at 32 and the Dolphins pick at wherever it is. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, but now it is time that we've gotten through all that. Uh, everyone, We made everyone sit through our nonsense if they're still here uh, for the Eagles to pick. And originally, this game had the Eagles as three-and-a-half-point home dogs to the 49ers, which I thought is a little not respectful to the Eagles, who looked really good in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy, which way are you going in this game? I'm going Eagles because, uh, and I'm not only to cover the three and a half, which yeah, I'll take that all day uh, at home in front of. Not to sound corny, but Lincoln Financial Field is going to be crazy on Sunday um, because you know the Eagles have given their fans something to be excited about, and like they're gonna like it's 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 going to be crazy on Sunday. So there's that, and then uh, as we mentioned during the Eagles versus Niners segment, they're just so banged up, like they just have nothing in their secondary. Defensive line is banged up. Uh, running backs aren't there. So, um, you know, the Eagles are going to be at full strength, more or less. Uh, maybe Riding McLeod still is out, but for the most part, they are going to have, I mean, they're going to have at least 21 of their 22 starters. And, uh, I mean, let's give it to them. They played really well week one, and I don't see any reason why they can't come out and play well again in week two. So, as you know, as, as Nick Sirianni said, it was just round one in a, of a boxing match uh, last week. This is round two. And, um, uh, yeah, I actually feel pretty. Uh, I feel pretty good about the Eagles team right now, and uh, I think they pull it off and they go two and zero. I think there isn't reason not to double negative. Um, I think there is reason to feel positive, Jimmy. The positive vibes continue. You know, everyone knows I'm a vibes guy. It's all about the vibes. Nothing else matters. 49ers don't have great vibes. They're coming off this moral loss. I will call it. Um, they let their foot off the gas. There's some concerns there. Jason Verrett not going to play. Mostert not going to play. We ran all, through all that earlier. Yep. John Kinlaw looking like he's out. So 49ers are missing some guys. They're still a talented team. I think it's kind of going to be a shootout, honestly, because I think the 49ers offense is a, a tough thing to crack. And for as encouraging as the Eagles defensive debut was for Jonathan Gannon last week, I think some of those sloppy uh, tackling and some of that stuff early on in the game will kind of manifest itself a little bit more. And that will be kind of an issue for the Eagles at times in this game. The 49ers will have some offensive success because they have good weapons. But I think the Eagles are going to outscore them. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have another good game. I think this Eagles offensive line is going to give him protection. I think the Eagles are going to be able to run the ball a decent amount. Uh, the home crowd factor like, is not irrelevant. That is really, really big. It's a huge deal when you're putting it in the context of, they, like you said, they haven't had a game at the link. Of meaning, you know, not counting the preseason games since January 2020. And right. after a the, year, the, the Seahawks playoff game, the Seahawks playoff game. And after a year where the Eagles were miserable and now coming off this week one win when there's so much juice, when Jalen Hurts' jersey sales are literally going up like 500%. People are fired <laughs> right. up, Jimmy. They're fired up about this team. They're backing on this team. <laughs> yeah. 
I think anyone who kind of maybe had checked out a little bit on the Eagles because they were bad last year is kind of like back in now because they saw this exciting week one win. So the link's going to be rocking, and it's going to be a tough place for the 49ers to play. I don't think it's going to be easy for them. I really like the Eagles with the points in this one. I think that's a pretty you know confident pick, and I think it's going to be a close game. Like it might be anyone's game. Could it be an overtime game? But I'm going to take the Eagles to win because why not? They're rolling right now. Vibes are positive. Uh, I just, I, like, that's just genuinely how I feel. When I was looking back at how I felt going into week one last year, Jimmy, uh, and I did this because I was looking up like just for the sake of it, uh, as I was writing my preview post on game day last week and I felt uneasy. That's literally the first word I put, uh, in my, in my article that, and I was like, I'm feeling, I, I didn't feel great. Uh, this year, that felt totally different. I felt really positive about going to the Falcons game. I still feel that way. Maybe we're being duped. Maybe we're reading too much into the week one win, and maybe the concerns that we had in the offseason are going to manifest. But until that happens, I'm not going to just assume that. I think everything's going good right now. I feel confident in the Eagles. I, I, I just do. Like, that's not, I don't feel like I'm homering it up. I feel, I just like genuinely do feel that way. So ride the vibes. Uh, Riding the vibes. Uh, I'm going to take the Eagles to win. I'm going to say it's a shootout. I'm going to say they're going to win by a score of 33-30. to 30. Ooh, I had 26-24. Okay. So, Eagles start 2-0, and and then they go down to Dallas next week, where the Cowboys, in our projection, are going 0-2. So, how about that? That's a huge game. At that That's point, another winnable game too. Like, if, especially if they win this week, then the vibes are going to be off the charts. And um, you know, and, not trying and, to get and all the, all the aforementioned injuries that the that the Cowboys have too. Yep. Not trying to get ahead of ourselves too much because that might not happen. Cowboys right, win, right, Eagles could right. lose. But I'm saying if that's the scenario, man, like because that's a, that's a huge opportunity. Eagles to go up three and zero and to bury the Cowboys down at zero and three. Like that's that's pretty big. I mean, even if they do lose this week and the Cowboys win, it's still a monster game. Really big game. Uh, and you can watch it with us, Jimmy. I mean, you can't because you'll be down in, in Dallas, unfortunately. But um, you can send someone in your stead. I don't know. If, you okay. don't have to do that, but you could if you really wanted to. I'll send um, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Yeah, I was going to say. You could, with you can a pocket have full of business cards. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, it's at Pistolas Del Sur in South Philly. You can Google it or go to the website. I think like PistolasDelSur.com. Um we will have more information leading up to the game too with like graphics and everything. If that's more helpful to you. Uh, but yeah, I'll be there. Seamus Clancy will be there. Uh, it'll be a good time. So come on out. It'll be fun. Um, do it or you're a coward. Uh, if you want to. And if not, that's okay. You're not actually a coward, but, um, uh, Jimmy. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We your nation podcast feed. We, we know there are some questions that you've given us and we have to legally answer them or else, you know, or else we have to. Um, so we're going to get to those at some point, maybe kind of just crack out or break out a podcast just to answer all those questions you've left mm-hmm. us. We have to get to that. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the Eagles world. So we're kind of backed up. Um, right to selling craft jerky, right to spelling.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off jerky and dog treats at wildnaturepet.com, same discount code BGN15. Um, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors at roachrealtors.com, or you can call. Oh, uh, sorry. I fell asleep at the wheel there. 856-906-9295. You can do that. Uh, check out Jimmy Kemsky at phillyvoice.com on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Check out me at bleedinggreennation.com on Twitter at Brandon Gowton or on Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Uh, shout out to Labat Blue, who just sent me a little care package of beer and some Eagles Zubaz pants to me so really big um really nice of them to do that uh wear those on sunday (laughs) yeah wear them i should wear them to uh maybe i have to wear them i don't know maybe i don't i instantly regret saying this maybe i have to wear them to the uh the cowboys eagles game uh we'll see we'll see about that um we'll see about that one 
Maybe if people pressure me into wearing them, I'll do it. Uh, anything else to me? Any, any final thoughts? Stay or neuter your cats, but don't, but don't skin, skin them. them. Yeah, please do not do that. Uh, and jam-packed episode. It was fun, Jimmy. The Eagles are winning, so that's always good. Hopefully, it's another Good Vibes podcast next week going into Dallas. But for now, we will talk to you all later after you listen to the SB Nation NFL show. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.